Hi, this is Rob Paulson, and you are listening to the Great Big Beautiful Podcast. You've got to turn to somebody who's going to either smack you around or knock some sense into you or be there for you. And either, you know, and JJ's been there for me every single time I've wanted to celebrate, every time I've need, needed someone to talk to, more than anybody. All the stuff in the business, it's all wonderful. If you're like, God, you must be so lucky to have, uh, you know, JJ Abrams as your best friend. It's like, <laughs> you, have, you have no idea. It has nothing to do with show business. Here are your hosts, Jamie Green and Justin Connors. It's funny to me how people on the internet have blown him up and been like, he's J.J. Abrams' guy. <laughs> but, and I kind of feel bad about that, you know? It's right. like sometimes, it's like, I mean, he's a great actor and he's done a lot of stuff aside from just being J.J. Abrams' friend, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, but so many of the properties, because those movies and shows have been so popular, that's right. what he's most associated with. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's 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 not a bad problem to have in show business, right? You know, no, like no. your best friend gets super famous, and you know, you just mm-hmm. you can he, he likes to put you in stuff, so that's a great problem. <laughs> <laughs> why can't why can't you put me in things? Because I don't do things. <laughs> I, I do. I put you in this. This become, is what I do. It's true. Become JJ, and then we'll do it. So in case in case you guys don't know what we're talking about. Um, we are t- the, our our interview today. We have a double double feature, like at the Ooh. old drive-ins. Remember when they used to do that? I don't oh. remember, but my dad does. <laughs> he talked about. It. <laughs> they used to do double features at the drive-in theater. And yeah, that's what we have today. It's a double feature, double helping. <laughs> it's exciting. It's, it's exciting. Like a double scoop. A double so, scoop. So the first feature is is uh, who we're talking about, and he's affectionately known as J.J. Abrams. Good luck, Charm. But he's much more than that. He is much more than that. <laughs> yeah, we uh, we talked to Greg Grumberg, um, and uh, yeah, again, we just said all that. But I feel like the the biggest shows and films I'm going to rattle off from his, you know, his his filmography are the mm-hmm. ones that you know have some association with JJ. So it's you know he had uh, regular recurring main roles and Felicity and Alias and Heroes. Heroes is where he really stood out right. for me. I never really watched Felicity and Alias. Um, but Heroes, I was on from the first season and I just adored it. Um, later seasons, eh. But the first like two seasons were phenomenal. He was Matt Parkman. Mm-hmm. Um, he was actually one of my favorite characters on that show. Um, and he's also been in a few, you know, small indie films you might have heard of, like Star Wars Episode Seven, The Force Awakens, Star Trek Beyond, Super 8, um, you know, just little films like that. I don't know. You might have heard of them. You might not have. Um, but he and Lucas Turnblum, who is our second scoop, our second helping today. Our second feature. Our second feature. <laughs> um, they came together and they have created a graphic novel. Uh, it's called Dream Jumper. 
it's put out with uh, under graphics. The graphics imprint with Scholastic, mm-hmm. uh, and it's really good. It's the first book of a planned series, and um, I'm not going to go into what it's really about mm-hmm. because we do that with both of them in their interviews. They kind of give us the synopsis, so I'm not going to repeat that. Uh, but it's a great book. I would definitely recommend it. Uh, Lucas is uh, a cartoonist and an author, and he sort of comes from a place of web comics, and he's been doing this for a long time. And uh, he got hooked up with Greg, who had this idea, uh, and then the two of them just sort of hashed it out, fleshed it out, and worked back and forth, and uh, they came up with this book. And now that what I think they said they're working on the third or the fourth one currently right now, and. The book has been optioned for a film, obviously, because that's how Hollywood works. Right. J.J. Uh, yeah, Abrams was, will be the director now. <laughs> if, I think he's producing it, actually. No way. So. Okay, awesome. <laughs> that wasn't too far. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and also, Greg has a new show on AMC right now. Right. Uh, it's called Geeking Out. We talk about that quite a bit. It's he and Kevin Smith um, just sort of call up all their friends in Hollywood and interview them and go behind the scenes and go backstage and take the cameras to places that people, you know, normal mortals can't really go. But it's just, it's a fun show. The two of them just sort of, it is like the title of the show. They just, right. the two of them just geek out. Well, and you, you were talking about uh, them doing it at Comic-Con when you were there. I'm not sure if you ran into them at all while they were recording, but you, you, uh, not, were, you mentioned they were, that they were... Yeah, I didn't see them as they were recording, but I did actually go to the press conference with mm-hmm. the two of them, with Kevin and Greg. Um, and I think I've talked about this before. Right. Uh, and uh, so that was good. So I got to talk to the two of them there and, you know, sort of get the their behind the scenes on how the show came about. And, you know, that, that press conference was actually very small. It was only like... Honestly, like there's only like ten or twelve people in there, so it was. Look a, at you getting the access. Yeah, <laughs> um, were, you were beside the Wall Street Journal guy, probably. <laughs> uh, but it was, you know, you go to these press conferences, especially at some place like San Diego that's so big, and it's often a packed room, and you get five minutes to talk to somebody, or it's just you shout out questions, and it's very superficial. But this one, because it was, mm-hmm. you know, we had, I guess it was, maybe it was like forty-five minutes. And because there were so few, you know, quote unquote, press in the room, um, we just happened. We got really good conversations. You know, I felt like Kevin and Greg were just sort of they they were able to drop the whole publicity shtick, you mm-hmm. know, and just sort of talk, you right. know, and especially because that show is about talking, it's about interviewing and having like real conversations with people like actors and the right. people who are kind of like this show, you know, yeah. like, having conversations with people about what they do and how they make the stuff. Um, so it was really enjoyable. It was really good. Well, it's funny that you mentioned that. I will say when we talked to him as well on our podcast, he, he, he didn't seem to have that publicity image when we were talking to him. He really, you know, he really dropped down his guards and just let it, you know, just had talked. We talked about Mm -hmm. stuff. It wasn't, Mm -hmm. it doesn't feel like a, we're selling you this book. Come buy it. (laughs) No, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's, he's also an actor. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, it's he's very from, you know, I've met him. I met him in person twice at San Diego. And then, you know, we had this this conversation here for the podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, every time I talk to him, it's like he just seems very grounded. He seems Mm -hmm. very. um, (sighs) I mean, I guess I haven't met too many like. Well, I guess you would call A-list celebrities. Like, I've never met Matt Damon or Tom Hanks, right. so I don't really know how they would be in person. But Greg just seems very 
very real, you know, very mm-hmm. honest, very, you know, he just, he just wants to talk and he wants to share either what it is he's doing or something cool that he's found. And he wants to just share that passion. Um, he just, he's a really great guy. And I just, you know, it was, it was just, it was a ball hanging out with him when I met him and it was a ball. It was just a great time talking to him for the show. So you heard it here, people. We have a friend of the celebrities right on our podcast, <laughs> Jamie Green. <laughs> so we're going to go play that interview for you right now. We're going to play Greg Grunberg first. And we'll come back and we'll send you into Lucas Turnblum. Hope you enjoy. Great. Thanks so much for taking the time to talk to us today. It's a it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Dude, are you kidding me? Fellow geek dads, are you kidding? I'm, I'm with you. I'm here. Oh, awesome. <laughs> Great. Um, let's start with Dream Jumper. Um, where did the origin- idea originally come from and what made you want to make a graphic novel in general? Well, okay, so I think it's our job as dads to take advantage of our children, right? I mean, Absolutely. That's, that's, that's what they're there for, you know? Yeah. And uh, <laughs> um, to stay connected, well, okay, so the initial concept uh, came when my son, who was 11 at the time, had a terrible nightmare. And he woke up, and, uh, you know, I was trying to put him back to sleep, and I said, hey, maybe, you know, just tell me. What, the night, what, what was your dream all about? And he was so distraught. I said, he goes, it was so vivid. It was like it was real. And I said, yeah, sometimes that happens. And he says, it wasn't actually my nightmares. And I said, what are you talking about? He goes, I was like a superhero, and I was able to jump in and out of my friend's nightmares and uh, jump in and out of my friend's dreams and save them from their worst nightmares. And That's I was amazing. like, yeah, that's exactly what was my, <laughs> my thought. And I said, don't move. Daddy's going to get his laptop. We're going to pay for college. <laughs> I, I was so excited, and I thought immediately, what a cool series, what a cool movie. I didn't know anything about graphic novels except for the, you know, the few that I've looked at or, or you know, read. So I immediately, um, you know, that was the initial concept, whatever. I didn't, I didn't actually grab my laptop then, but I, I started thinking about it. And, and coming up with, you know, how that would play out and what it would be. And I turned to my best friend, J.J. Uh, Abrams, who happens to be the yeah. most brilliant mind, I think, in, uh, you know, TV and film. And I said, Jake, what do you think about this? And he was the one that said to me, this feels like a graphic novel. This feels like something that you could, you know, go anywhere with. Um, it's like saying, you know, justifying something as an animated project because you're, you're not limited to what you can actually shoot on screen or, or in, in video effects. So he said, this could be so cool, uh, do a graphic novel. I knew nothing about graphic novels, and the only person that I had met in the illustration side was a brilliant guy named Lucas Turnblum, who had been doing a, uh, um, a series of uh, cartoons for my epilepsy website. Um, my oldest son has epilepsy, so talkaboutit.org is my foundation and site. Mm-hmm. And we had this little strip, and Lucas was kind enough for a little over a year to have been doing this strip where people were in an office and then one of those people actually has a seizure. So that if you can see that people, you know, anybody yeah. in an office can have a seizure. So we had this running thing and then we're, anyway, he was, he was really sweet and he was doing this thing and people were responding to it. So I turned to him, I was at Comic-Con. I, went, I found him, he had this long line of people that were there because he's a award-winning, great uh-huh. uh, illustrator and cartoonist. And I said, hey, Lucas, and, he started talking. I told him the idea there, and I said, look, I'm sure it's already done. There is no way that someone hasn't done this idea, um, which 
essentially is like saying, it's like the way Harry Potter goes into the world of magic, this kid is our gateway. We follow Ben, our, our lead character, into the world of dreams and nightmares. And, and when you sleep, um, you know, there's a whole world. And it's, it's like a real world yeah. when you're sleeping. And there's a nightmare lord. It gets dark when, you know, when, uh, when you see people sleepwalking. That is not just somebody sleepwalking. That person is being controlled by the nightmare lord. And it's his ultimate desire to control all of us. Yeah. And, like, that idea is so, I think, so cool. Um, he immediately lit up and said, this could be a great idea. And we were off and running. And we partnered with Scholastic which is my dream company because, oh, yeah. of, you know, the book fairs at schools. And so here we are years later and uh, dream jumper. Um, the first book in the series called nightmare escape is out in the stores and it's in the book fairs and it's, it's online. It's everywhere. And it's doing really well. And paramount um, already picked it up and is developing as a, a feature film. Oh, so wow. it's, it's wow. a dream come true yeah. for me. You know, no pun intended. Pun intended. <laughs> pun in, definitely <laughs> intended. <laughs> yeah. So what was um, you know once you and, and Lucas sort of got on the same page and and you said okay we're gonna we're gonna start running with this what was that collaboration like how did you guys divide up the work? That's each a other? great question because I didn't know you know I've written scripts and I produced TV and, and and features before but never this and I didn't know how it works. Certain people do you know I've, I've now talked to because of peeking out my show on AMC. Mm-hmm. I've, I talked to Jim Lee, who's a legendary, uh, you know, he runs, he's the co-publisher of DC Comics. I've talked to Jeff Loeb. These guys are like legends in the world of comic books. And they have a different process. But Loeb is basically, he, his process was close to, to what mine is. Loeb isn't the illustrator. So, so, most of the time, there's one person who writes the story and the other person right. illustrates. Right. Not in this case. Um, uh, Lucas Turnblum is a brilliant storyteller. And so the two of us together sit down and come up with the beats, just the, the way you would with a writing partner on a script. Mm-hmm. And then we have very little dialogue. If dialogue jumps out at us, if we're like, you know, so Ben walks into the room and he says, what the hell, man? Blah, 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 blah. We'll write that dialogue down just as kind of a placeholder. Yeah. And then it starts getting more and more detailed, like a script would be. And in the, at the same time, um, while we're coming up with that idea, Lucas, being visual, obviously, you know, he's the one that illustrated he starts having ideas as far as like, oh, that would make a great page with five panels, or that's a splash, that's a big panel, that's a two-parter, that's a this and that. He's got that ability in his head, obviously, and yeah. I think he did a brilliant job with the book, and and, uh, and then our colorist um, came in, and that was somebody that we met through Scholastic, and he's just amazing. Yeah. So it's been... I have to say, I'm just so, so proud of it. Yeah, it was a beautiful book. It's an absolutely beautiful book. I've been trying to get everybody that I can to, to pick up a copy because it's just, it's it's great. I love it. Thank so, you. And thank you for tweeting out about it. I appreciate that. Absolutely. Of course. So as you mentioned, the seeds of the idea came from your son. As you were creating it, did you bounce any ideas off your kids to, you know, to help you with the story and advance it further? Absolutely. Just, um, yeah, they, they, you know, they're right in the wheelhouse of, who we want reading the book. I have a right. 13 year, I have a 12 year old, 16 year old and a 20 year old. And, um, my 20 year old works at bad robot. And so he's around, you know, yeah. the makers of all this stuff. And then, and so in tune, it has to be up on all the stuff that's the latest. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm playing catch up with Kevin Smith. I've got the best partner in the world on geeking out. So 
I'll run, you know, ideas, just brief ideas, whatever. He's so busy. But, you know, when you have friends like this, you can bounce ideas off of. But Ben and Sam, my 16 and my 12-year-old, my they're right in the wheelhouse. And they, they, you know, I'll say, what about this? What about this? What about this? Or they'll give me lines and, and funny jokes, you know, funny stuff that is happening in school, and I try and incorporate it. Because what we're, what we're really doing is trying to identify um, all of the things that we are all afraid of good or bad, the aspirational moments and dreams, the wish fulfillment that dreams bring. But, but you know, you can have conflict. So we have a moment in the book where Ben walks on this bus and he walks you know, to the back, to, not the back of the bus, to where he's sitting, and he passes all these kids. And this kid's clearly scared of the dark. And this kid's mm-hmm. scared, scared of this. And this kid's scared of the doctor. And this kid. So we're going to address all of these nightmares throughout the book series. Um, but, to get, but what's really great is Jake, my oldest, out of the blue, it's very apropos, this question, out of the blue um, at dinner uh, about a week and a half ago, says, I have an idea for the book, but it's, it's a huge idea that I think people, a lot of people will get upset over. And I was like, Uh-oh. that's the kind of idea I'm looking for, <laughs> you know? And it was uh, an amazing idea. So we are incorporating it into book three. We've already written book two, and it's being illustrated right now. And then book three has this huge twist that I don't think anyone will see coming because I didn't see it coming at all. I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, no, 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 think about it. And it was one of those where you go, you know, it's like one of those holy shit moments where you're like, that is brilliant. And uh, (laughs) of course I'll steal it. Once again, I'll steal from him and and not give him credit. (laughs) Makes you wonder why why you didn't think of it, right? Yeah, I mean, you know what's funny is, so Ben um, is my son who had the dream and he's 16 now and I said to him, we initially wanted, we were really excited. I was really excited to put on the front cover of the book, inspired by a dream by Ben Grunberg. Yeah. I mean, how cool is that? That would be very awesome. (laughs) Yeah. And every time I mentioned it to him, he's like, that's not the way it happened. I don't remember it that way. I said, first of all, you were dreaming. (laughs) You were in the middle of the night there. Trust me, I am not that smart to have come up with this. And he said, well, maybe I, I think I, I was just talking about that I was in my friend's dreams. I didn't come up with the whole idea for the book. And I'm like, I know you didn't, but yeah. you, you inspired us. You inspired us. So I love that my son is so, he's into baseball. He just committed right. already to playing at a college. He's like super into baseball and sports, and that's his thing. And uh, I just love that he's not the guy that goes, hey, make sure my name's on that. Exactly, you right? Know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, because that would be, I think, 90% of kids out there. But. <laughs> I wanted to ask you about, um, you mentioned San Diego Comic-Con, and you, you're certainly not a stranger to the scene with all the shows that you've been on. You're there almost every year. But this year was the first year that you actually had a book to promote. And so I'm wondering if yeah. that affected your experience at all. Was it was it a different experience? It was. It was almost like stepping back and having to be accepted, I think, in a whole new group. Because there are a lot of actors out there that have tried their hand, musicians, um, that have used celeb- their celebrity or their recognizability to try and write a book and promote a book or attach themselves. They'll have a ghostwriter, and then they attach themselves to it, and it'll sell or not. But I think what I, what I was, you know, in the back of my mind, I'm never afraid of anything. I love a challenge. This is such a passion project for us, for me, and, and for Lucas. And I have, this, this absolutely was inspired from me seeking out Lucas, finding the best storyteller, find, you know, if, if this has been my passion, I think that's what, what Scholastic saw is the authenticity of it, that, that this is all ringing true. This is not me piggybacking on something else. This is organic to who I am 
as a maker yeah. and as a, as a geek of all of this stuff. So to go into the lion's den of Comic-Con and be sitting on a panel with some of the most, I mean, Scholastic, you know, you think of Scholastic, I think of Scholastic, and I'm like, oh, that's the company that has all those great books and, mm-hmm. you know, Captain Underpants and this and that. They've got Harry Potter. They've got, I mean, this is a massive company. They put out some of the best stuff that we're reading and the kids are reading and that are in life. So it's very intimidating for a guy like me who has never written a book, uh, let alone a graphic novel, mm-hmm. to step into this world and sit on a panel with these guys that are legends and hold my own. Yet what I thought to myself was, you know what, I just have to be honest uh, about who I am. I'm not going to pretend that I'm any more knowledgeable than than, uh, than who I am and, and having more experience with graphic novels, whatever. And it was so, it was such a disarming thing. I think people liked it and it was refreshing and I was a fan. Yeah. So um, the uh, everyone seemed to accept it when people are really responding to the book, which doesn't hurt as well. Mm-hmm. So it's been, it's been a great experience and Comic-Con was, Again, it was like it was like a whole new experience seeing it through the eyes of um, now a uh, you know a, um, a co-author. Yeah, that's fantastic. Let's let's talk about um, geeking out for a minute. You mentioned it a couple times. You were also there in San Diego promoting the show, and I know you and yeah. Kevin. Um, you're sort of digging into your Rolodex, as a for, for lack of a better phrase. You're 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 mm-hmm. using your impressive list of contacts and just having it looks. I mean, it's obvious. You just had having a great time on the show um and i'm just wondering if you could give us a hint about what's coming up in future episodes absolutely um yeah first of all you use the word rolodex so i know you're in your 40s um, <laughs> I'm, I'm almost there yep <laughs> there you go um but uh yeah we've we've tapped into so you know i went to the big whale jj <laughs> abrams my yeah. best friend in the world um and you know he Anyway, I went to I went to him first, and I said, "Jake, launching the show." He's a he loves Kevin. I love you know Kevin Smith's. He's so great, and and so the two of us are having a lot of fun together. But we wanted to kick off the show with some huge uh, person. He went to Matt and I went to JJ, and they've been on the show. But we've got Damon Lindelof. We just had Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick, who wrote um, uh, Deadpool, mm-hmm. and we, we we I'm a huge fan of the Netflix shows, so. Jessica Jones and Luke Cage. Luke Cage is a new show coming out. Oh, so we had Mike Mike Coulter and um, Simone Nissick, who are the stars of Luke Cage. That's coming on. We have, um, I'm using, you know, again, contact, uh, Star Trek. I'm in Star Trek. And um, the uh, Michael Cicchino does the music for yeah. all of these, you know, Academy Award winners. So Michael was scoring Star Trek and invited us onto the scoring stage with the orchestra and there was my face on the screen, and it was it was such a such a geek moment. I can't even begin to tell you. I'm, and I'm just talking. I'm just talking. You know, dad to dad here. Yeah, right. I was like, I was. I couldn't believe what was happening. And Star Wars, absolutely, one hundred percent. That's the end all be all. I mean, there's a someone just sent me a book, and I'll send it a uh, picture. It's a two part picture that's in this book called Star Wars. That's in all the libraries. Their kid went in and checked out this book, and. This picture is sick, and I'll send it to you. And it's okay. one of those things where I was like, "Is is that me?" Like, <laughs> I mean, it's that scene when we're all standing around, and I'm and I'm telling everybody, "I went yeah. on this mission. We got to be careful." But it, they they painted it, and oh. it's it's so ridiculous. And I'll send it to you so you can feature it. But it's it's in this book. It's, it's amazing. But that was the same moment for me. I was standing on the stage with Michael, and I've known Michael forever. He's the geekiest dad, the best guy ever, and. 
I'm sitting there with this live orchestra, can't hear the dialogue and don't need to. Yeah. That's how brilliant <laughs> Michael is. He'll take you through the emotions of a scene just with the music. Won't, won't dictate where you need to be emotional, but he certainly is guiding you and holding your hand in such a beautiful way. And, oh, man, sitting there, Justin Lin's in the room, and he's the director of the film, and mm -hmm. I'm there, and the orchestra's there. And it was just one of those incredible moments. That's coming on the show. Um, oh, this, this weekend, um, we've got Adam Savage. Talk about a geek moment, dude. I got mm -hmm. to go up to with the, the myth buster himself. Adam Savage had me in, in, in the Bay Area into what he calls the cave, where he collects and replicates all of the most incredibly iconic pieces from every TV show and film you can imagine. And we built a, um, a piece of uh, a prop from Star Wars. We replicated it and built it together wow. and, and went through his collection. I mean, it's amazing. Um, yeah. uh, Kevin goes to Lucasfilm, and we do a great piece with him. We have, um, oh, we have, uh, what's his name? Uh, oh, my God. He's uh, the Magnificent Seven director. Um Director of Training Day. Uh, oh, 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 oh. Um, he's amazing. Oh I knew God, it right before you, you said it. Um, uh, Fuqua. And I did it. Uh, yeah. And so when he was, I, I did this thing where I was like, Antoine Fuqua. <laughs> Antoine Fuqua. I was doing the, uh, the, you know, the Yankees. Here, Yankees yeah, here. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, having Antoine Fuqua on the show was just amazing. So, it's, you know, again, it's, it's being able to talk to some of these people that are legends Yet mm -hmm. there, it's like a peer-to-peer -peer conversation. It's long form, kind of like this. Mm -hmm. And then we, we, you know, we pull these the great moments out from it. And we also have a, another um, host on the show now, Tiffany Smith, who she comes from DC All Access and all of this great stuff. She's very insightful in the, the genre space, and she's she's amazing. No one wants to look at two big white guys talking about <laughs> pop culture. We got to mix <laughs> it up a little bit. So, so we've got you know. Nice, very nice. How much of the show is scripted, and how much is it just? just genuine conversations and off-the-cuff stuff? Um, so we just had this conversation. AMC just called and said, hey, you know what? We might want to start scripting stuff. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, and I was like, why? And they said, no, we love the conversations. We love the way they're flowing and everything. But we, every day of production is like eight hours long. Yeah. <laughs> every interview is supposed to be an hour, and it goes two hours. And I said, that's because we love what we're doing. <laughs> and they said, yeah, but... At least we'll have little moments that we know we have to capture questions and answers, whatever. So to answer your question, nothing is scripted. Although we have this, you know, amazing um, writer Andy who he helps out, and he came from the Tonight Show, so he's got some zingers and some moments that he will suggest. But mainly, it's literally, you know, I'll know that. Like I'm sitting down with Kim Dickens, who's a star of uh, Fear the Walking Dead. Mm -hmm. She and I did a movie years ago called The Hollow Man. We stayed in contact. She's amazing, and. I, you know, I, I watched, the, you know, two episodes from Fear. I watched Fear, but I wanted to brush up on it. And that's my research is just looking at IMDb, looking for other interviews they've done and other funny things that I've heard about them yeah. and, then, and then, you know, springing it on them. We had Jeff Loeb on the show who runs Marvel TV. And Jeff you know, used to run Heroes. There's a history there. Yeah. I don't want to script that. I want that to be a natural conversation. Right. And, exactly. You know, so, yeah. so, so it's really, there's no scripting, but we do have great, researchers and, and writers yeah. uh, a guy named rich a guy named andy mm -hmm. jerry all really good people i mean all the stuff that you're talking about here i mean it's all these 
these like pinch me, I must be dreaming kind of moments. Even for, for even for you, somebody who's in the industry and you get to do this amazing stuff as your job. Um, yeah. And I mean, you've you've been a part of so much of what fans today geek out about. You know, I mean, Star Wars, yeah. Star Trek, Heroes. These are all you know these you know the other shows, everything. These are all franchises that that people go to Comic Con to just bask in the glory of. You know, that's what they want to geek out about. What do yeah. you? Greg, geek out about though. Aside from the projects that you do and the work that you do, um, it's going to sound like uh, a, a prepared pat answer for you guys. Yeah. But number one, first and foremost, I geek out about my family. Yeah. I, I really do. I mean, there's nothing mm-hmm. that gives me more of a, a geek boner. Uh, and I hate to use the word boner when nice. I'm talking about my kids. <laughs> nice. But uh, but they absolutely. My wife and I. That's our, you know, obviously that's our passion to be able to share this stuff with them now because they're of that age. It's just a fucking dream. I got to tell you, I don't know if I can swear on this podcast. That's fine. Okay, it is a dream, and because of them, I get exposure to stuff that I may have put off or wouldn't watch. I am geeking out so hard right now on Stranger Things. Yeah. On on uh, Sherlock. If you haven't seen uh, Cumberpatch do Sherlock, it's a BBC production. It's on Netflix, three episodes in. It's unbelievable. The device... Are you guys loving it? Oh, it's amazing. It's amazing. I've watched all of the Sherlocks, so we're (laughs) waiting for the next one. (laughs) Now, wait. Now, there's only three, right? Uh, Three seasons of, what, three or four episodes each, I believe. Yeah. Okay, yeah. 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 It's so good. I mean, the, the, the way they use that device of like when he finds a clue, it comes on the screen and the texts and stuff. Yeah. People have tried to do that before, but to get into his head, and he's such a brilliant actor. Yeah. Amazing. Stranger Things, the other night at, at dinner, my uh, my son Sam says to me, hey, how cool is it that season two we're going to get to meet the first ten kids? And I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, well, we know all about Eleven. Yeah. And I was like, what? I know, right? <laughs> That blew my mind. I was like, I didn't even think that there would be 10 other kids that were failed experiments. Yeah, and, I didn't even uh, think about that. Yeah. My mind is blown now. <laughs> yeah, well, so so it, there's that. Luke Cage, by the way, and a, I'm a huge fan of that. Um, Creature has me like nothing else. Um, what else? Oh, I can't wait to, for Wonder Woman to come out. That oh, yeah. looks amazing. The poster looked incredible. And then, you know, that was ridiculous. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, there's plenty of stuff. That's that's the thing. Just when I think, okay, well, I'm in that movie and I'm a part of that series, and like Brian Fuller, dude, we're gonna have Brian Fuller on the show to talk about Star Trek and the 50th anniversary of Star Trek, and he's, you know, they're rebooting it through CBS, yep. CBS Online, and oh my god, it's gonna be amazing it, I know. what what he's doing. So there's so much stuff in the pipeline. The good news is that it's no one is afraid to take a chance on any of these franchises or reboots. And no one's afraid. No one's afraid to, you know, take a chance on somebody that has a new sci-fi idea. Yeah. I just, you know, for me, I have to be. I really want my next project that I jump into to be something that's going to be just epic. It's like my bar. The bar is so high. Either I do another uh, big ass spider, which is like, you know, the movie that I starred in, produced that, you know, was on uh-huh. Sci-Fi Channel, and I love. That's a low budget thing. Or I want it to be something really cool, like Stranger Things, or yeah. you know, something of that quality. Yeah. Uh, oh, oh, the other thing by the way, is Westworld. Oh, my oh God. I'm so excited for that. Yeah, that's that really looks incredible. incredible. Yeah. There's a lot of good stuff coming. It's it's not enough time to watch and read everything that you want to now. Yeah. Um, 
I wanted to ask you, you know, again, sticking with this whole geeking out about stuff that is way too close. Um, I know Snap Wexley, your your character in Star Wars, I don't think that he was your first action figure, because I think Parkman probably had an action figure. But he was your first Star Wars action figure. So honestly, where does a career yeah. go after that? I mean, come on, right? <laughs> I'm just going to move into the old folks' home. You know, I mean, it. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And a pop toy and a Lego it's and crazy. all of this stuff. It is creepy. It's the coolest thing in the world. Yeah, I have a, have an action figure from Heroes that comes with a little girl, a bag of diamonds, and a gun. Like that's pretty cool. <laughs> that is pretty cool. Okay. Yeah. And then I've got I've got a, I had an Alias one that was a really really limited edition high end thing, but. Um, this is something else. I mean, Star Wars has yeah. been, and also like there, there are these uh, comic books now that follow, um, uh, you know, Poe Dameron, and yeah. and I'm in them. And there's like this whole backstory with Snap Wexley and all this yeah. stuff. And they and the images in there, it looks like me. It looks like me from the movie with my beard. <laughs> the whole thing. They give you a love interest. It's like, what the hell's going on? I know. I, I hope I... they explore that. You know. Well, I was, I was going to um, ask if you had been reading um, the Aftermath books by Chuck Wendig, because they also deal with, with Wexley when he was younger and his mother. and Yeah, and, yeah it's, cr- yeah, it's crazy. I, mean, I haven't read them yet. i got to go out and get those, by the way. That's something I that's on my list. Yeah. Um, i got to go get those. But, yeah, it's, it's one of those things where once you're in that world, and now with Star Trek, too, I'm Commander Finnegan. Like, like that, that was uh, based on a character uh, I... There's a friend of mine named Ken Lowenberg who we, we um, I, I met through the Epilepsy Foundation, and he's become one of my closest friends. And he is a Trekkie through and through, and he's so brilliant uh, just as a, as a human um, and such a great guy. He will give me stuff um, to talk about, whatever. He, while I was on the set shooting my stuff for Star Trek, and my character didn't have a name. I was just a commander yeah. of, this, of this area, but I didn't have a name. And um, I, I, Simon Pegg and, and the co-writer, he said, what do you think? And I, I said, well, I, you know, I talked to a buddy of mine, Ken Lundberg, and this Finnegan character was one that was in the original series, and he's this Irish guy, and he actually came to blows with Kirk, and, mm-hmm. you know, he's older than him, went to the Academy, and they looked him up, and they were like, perfect, this is awesome. <laughs> and so, you know, now the fans have responded that I'm, you know, it's a character that was beloved years ago. Yeah. So it's just one of those things where you do a little research and, and you know, have a good friend like Ken, and suddenly yeah. you look like a brilliant person. But, <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know if that's going to have an action figure, but it, it certainly is one of those milestone moments when you go, wow, yeah. I, mean, I can't believe it. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. I can't even imagine. You must be just oh. wake, wake up every day, pinch yourself, make sure it's not, it's, it's not you're not in your own book, Dream Jumper, right? I wake up every day and I, I pinch myself in, in uh, action figure form. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> has, has, has fatherhood affected the type of projects that you've chosen to work on? Um, well, years ago, depending on my age, the age of my kids, so years ago, I was like, God, I really want to do something my kids can watch because I started on Felicity. And that was just not age appropriate for them. Yeah. Just because of the, you know, it's kids in college and they're, you know, having sex and they're, it's a relationship stuff. And they just wouldn't have interested them. Mm-hmm. And then I moved to Alias, which was, you know, there was action and blood and, and stuff that was a little bit confusing and they were growing up. Mm-hmm. And then Heroes was the only time that they were, they were like, oh, yeah, they, they kind of watched it. Now they're rewatching it and I'm seeing it through their eyes and they, they, they love you know what they're saying, but yeah. I've always wanted to do something that's so right on target for them. 
Star Wars is that thing. Yeah. So that really helped. And everybody, you know, I'm the hero to all their friends. They're like, dude, like they, my kids, again, they don't boast about this stuff. So they still, to this day, have friends coming up going, was that your dad with a beard <laughs> flying an X-ray? <laughs> and they, my, so back to school just happened, right? So my son, he goes to school and he goes into his class and his teacher has an autographed picture from me no. on the wall. No way. Oh, that's got to yeah. be weird. That was weird and has no, did not make the connection. It didn't happen through school. It happened where the, the person sent me, because somebody sends me their headshot with a self-addressed stamped envelope. Dude, they're going to get their, they're going to get their autograph. I send it back. Yeah. So I, I autographed it and sent it back. And they were like, is that your dad? Like, what's your dad doing on the wall? <laughs> so that's got to be weird you know, for you when, is, when you go in for parent-teacher conference. That's got to be strange. Yeah. Exactly. I go in and I just kind of dangle a superhero, uh, you know, uh, you know, a um, action figure. I'm like, look, we can change this grade. <laughs> um, no, it's just so awesome. It's so so great. Oh, by the way, how cool is this? We got Brian Cranston. I'm going to be interviewing Brian at the Robot Chicken offices, Seth Green's offices at yeah. Robot Chicken, because <laughs> they've got a project together, and I'm going to have him sign. One of those, uh, one of those gas masks. One of those yeah, masks that's from uh, Breaking Bad. That's awesome. That's cool. That yeah. is very cool. That's that's too cool. <laughs> but Brian, so here's an example. Brian's an old friend of mine, and I geek out about that show so much. I can't wait for him to sign something for me. I mean, we're talking, <laughs> I've gone, to, I've traveled with the guy before. He's like, he's an amazing guy, and and yet I'm I'm like I'm geeking out. I saw this mask, and I was like, oh my god! So I got it, and I'll kind of just have him sign it to my kid. You know? Oh, that's so cool. great. Um. Be honest for a second here, because I know, I know you're often described as J.J. Abrams' good luck charm in quotes, <laughs> and I'm wondering, does that come with any sort of pressure, or at this point, are you do you just kind of laugh that off? Um, I mean, it's so sweet for people to say, for people to say that. It started with J.J. saying that. Yeah. So, I mean, he's the best friend in the world, and more than being a good luck charm for each other, he. You know, as dads, so you'll relate to this. Like, we go through really, really, really happy moments, and you want to share that with, with friends and family. And, and a lot of times, you know, I mean, I, I, I have a very great family. My brothers are wonderful. My sister's wonderful. But I'm, I'm, I'm kind of closer to JJ than I am to anybody. Mm-hmm. I mean, we are that close of friends. He, we, I'm so lucky that when we were five, we met, and we are, we've not only remained friends, but leaned on each other so much. I mean, I've gone through some really, really tough, medical stuff with my kid, with my oldest, you know, he's mm-hmm. got epilepsy, he's had two brain surgeries, you sit in the hospital and your child and all you want to do is switch places with them and right. you're just dying, dying. Um, and you want, I just want my son to feel better. And it's the worst, absolute worst position. And people are in it every day. Right now, people are at the hospital just praying that their, their kid gets better. And you got to turn to somebody who's going to either smack you around or knock some sense into you or be there for you and be there, you know, and JJ's been there for me every single time I've wanted to celebrate every time I've needed, needed someone to talk to more than anybody. Yeah. And that's, that's a, you know, good luck charm, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, that's why I say like the, <laughs> all the stuff in the business, it's all wonderful. If you're like, God, you must be so lucky to have, uh, you know, JJ Abrams as your best friend. It's like, <laughs> you, have, you have no idea. It has nothing to do with show business. Yeah. And it has to do with right. character and who he is, and that. So yeah, um, I, there's no there's, look, there's no denying that none of the projects he 
has created or been involved with would be successful without me. Okay, let's be honest. <laughs> but I'm I'm just lucky to call him my friend. Yeah. So we do have to ask though, are you the portal through which the Abrams multiverse connects? <laughs> well, he gave me um, a sticker that I put on a coffee mug a couple of years ago that says you have to trek before you war. Oh, very that nice. Was, that's the coolest thing of all. That's awesome. Yeah. What's, um, I know we're running out of time, but what's the most important thing that you've learned about being a father, aside from show business and everything else, just, just being a dad? Um, the most important thing is that nothing else matters, and you don't learn that until you're a parent. And even, even until your kids get a, a certain age, because like nothing else matters. Like everything else comes and goes. You know, there are moments when before having a kid where you, uh, before you become a dad, where you're like, you know, it's just like you, you, you set milestones for yourself. You're like, I can't get married until I have a secure job. I can't move on in life until I get, I'm not going to buy a house until I've got enough money. I blah, 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 blah. All that stuff, that's all bullshit. It's all bullshit. None of that stuff matters. All that stuff comes and goes. You're going to get a job, you're going to lose a job. The person that you know that's the wealthiest person in the world, guess what? In two years, they're going to be on the balls of their ass, yeah. and all the shit they threw at you is going to come back to, to haunt them. Yeah. And, you know, and all, none of that matters. Everybody goes through ups and downs. But when you have a child, that is everything. And it's, it's the only thing you can leave and the only thing you can be proud of you know, when we leave the planet, <laughs> you know, yeah. is what you left. But you can't take any of this other stuff with you, but you can be proud of the uh, the person that you have been responsible for. And hopefully they're a great person. And, and the only way to do that is to put in the time and love it. And, you know, again, not, you think things are important until you have kids. Mm -hmm. I know I'm giving you the longest answer in the world. No, I apologize, right. but, but I'm just so I, I'm so that, that is the again the most important thing. My wife and I geek out about our kids more than anything else. It's, it's everything in the world and everything else is just, you know, icing on the cake. Yeah. Fantastic. Greg, thank you so much for your time. It was such a oh, pleasure to have you on and it was a great yeah. conversation. Thank you. All right. So that's our interview with Greg Grunberg. We're going to go and play the interview with Lucas Turnbloom, feature number two. Enjoy. <laughs> Lucas, thank you so much for taking the time to chat tonight. This is uh, it's, it's a great pleasure to have you here. No, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, if anybody who listens to this show knows that we're big fans of, of graphic novels and comics in general. Um, and so when a great book comes out, we definitely like to give it as much uh, exposure as we can. Um, and so we talked to we talked to Greg a little bit about about this book. Um, but I wanted to sort of get your take on how the two of you got hooked up to work together on it. Yeah, well, I had been doing um, a comic strip for Greg's charity site. His his he has a charity site for epilepsy awareness called TalkAboutIt.org. And um, long story short, uh, I started working with his team, his his people at the epilepsy charity, to do this comic. And it went on for about a year and he started reading it and he liked it and he tweeted it out. And one uh, Comic-Con in 2011, he he said he wanted to do um, – he was he was already coming down and he wanted to, to, to meet with me and talk with me and, and possibly sign some stuff for the comic. 
because uh, I had I had these big posters made for the for the the, the web comic. Um, and so anyway, when he came down to that comic con, uh, he told me about this dream that his that his kid had, and I just when I heard it, I just my jaw dropped, and I'm like. We need to make this into a graphic novel right away. And it was funny, too, because he didn't mention that at first. He was like, he's like, I don't know what to do with it. He's like, you know, and at the time, I had no idea that J.J. Abrams was his friend. Mm -hmm. He said, I he said, I talked to my friend about it and he had a couple of ideas. He's like, but I wanted to ask you, what do you think? And I'm like, yeah, let's do a graphic novel. I'm like, I, I haven't heard anything quite like this. Yeah, that, that's already been done. So I'm like, let's do it. Let's get it done before somebody else does it. So and that was in 2011. That was a long time ago. Yeah. And, uh, it, 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 we, so basically what happened after that is, uh, I wrote a really quick rough draft. I sent it off to him. He said he loved the idea. And then he and I worked on it together. We wrote it together, uh, for the next several months. And then after that, um, our agent wanted me to illustrate the whole thing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I, I'd only plan on illustrating the first chapter and then, you know, doing rough pencils for the rest of it. Right. But, but he's like, no, no, no. He's like, I want you to ink the whole thing. He's like, it'll help us get our deal. And I'll tell you, it was a lot of work, but, <laughs> but I, I did do that. And, uh, you know, we ended up going with Scholastic, which was obviously our first choice, uh, for this book. And <laughs> the funny thing was though, is, is, uh, they told us at the beginning, they said, we love the book the way it is. They said, if you want to keep it the way it is, it's fine. We, we love it. But if you want to Here's some edits. We have some good ideas to to help kind of streamline it and cut some of the stuff out that that, that sure. kind of drags. So I listened to them and they had some great ideas and Greg thought they had some great ideas. So I redrew the whole thing. Oh my <laughs> so, god! So there's a, there's actually a version of Dream Jumper that nobody will ever see. Oh. But it's it's so it's I guess Dream Jumper point zero five. Yeah. I guess <laughs> the original director's cut, right? Right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Well, I mean, how did it? I mean, you, you both, you and Greg, have said, you know, Scholastic and Graphics was your sort of your dream publisher to end up with. So, how did the book end up with them? Well, what ended up happening was, is uh, our agent he wanted us to go to a couple of different places, and I, I don't know if I should name them or not, but he had yeah. he had three or four different uh, publishers, which were all great publishers, all, and I would have been happy with any one of them. Um, and he wanted to go there cause he, he had connections. He's like, let's, let's get these, you know, most agents have connections mm -hmm. at, at different publishing houses. So we, he wanted to go there first and I'm like, okay, that's fine. And I said, but what about Scholastic? And I don't know, there was, there was a hesitation there at first. I think it was more or less, he felt comfortable because he felt he knew the other people, the other publishers, but he didn't know anybody at Scholastic. I'm like, mm -hmm. guys, look, listen. And for those uh, of your listeners, you know, I'm sure everybody knows of, you know, Raina Telgemeier. She's sure. huge. Yeah. And, and, and Kazu's Amulet mm -hmm. series. And I just kept explaining to my, to my age or to, to our age. And I said, look, they have the biggest properties right now in terms of kids comics. I said, we have to go there. We have to at least try, yeah. you know, and, and he, you know, he, he, he never said no. He's like, Oh no, absolutely. We will. But he's like, we want to do these ones first. So after we, we heard from those ones, we, we had a couple of interested, um, publishers we went to scholastic after that and then it was it was actually it was interesting because we had i think at the time we had three interested publishers so it was really really cool but i'm like i kept telling greg i said look man scholastic's the way to go i i they put out some quality stuff and they're they got the book fairs and i'm like yeah let's let's really push this so and he, you know he totally agreed with that and and the agent was on board 100 percent and and scholastic loved it they got back to us within a few days after we sent it to him so that was that was Amazing. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you obviously you came 
to that situation, knowing Scholastic and knowing that the market they were in and the other books that they published. But did you ever sort of stop to think or have you since then? You know, is it intimidating for you at all? Like knowing that your book is going to be up there, like on the same shelf or in the same catalog with with these landmark series like Bowen and Amulet? Oh, my God, of course. <laughs> it's it's crazy. Look, look, I just got the uh, the Scholastic Book Fair uh, catalog from from my my oldest kid, who's nine. He brought yeah. it home a couple days ago and it's on page two. Yeah. Next next to Raina's brand new book. I mean, like right next to Raina's brand new book and to Big Nate. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't get any bigger than Raina and Lincoln, <laughs> Lincoln Purse. You know, the, they're huge. And I'm just I'm just biting my nails. I'm like, oh, my God, you know. Oh, this is just it just feels wrong, you know, yeah. but then I but then I look at the book and I'm like, you know what? I really believe in the book and I love the book myself. I can read through the book and and just enjoy it. And so I, I, I feel that it belongs there. But hell, yeah, it's intimidating. Yeah. <laughs> I can't even imagine. <laughs> it's 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 insane. And apparently there's a couple of other different versions of the catalog that I have yet to see that are for the older kids. Mm-hmm. And it's right there with Raina and a couple of other books. So I'm just I couldn't be happier. I mean, yeah. that's that's incredible. I just I just got to wonder what they think. You know, I'm walking in, you know, and Who's everybody guy? <laughs> exactly. Everybody's been doing this for years. And I walk in and I'm like, hey, I'm on page two of this classic catalog. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, get out of here, you bastard. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you, at some point you're wondering, like, when are they going to realize that who I am or who I'm not? That, you know, like, there's got to be that sort of, like, self, you know, self-deprecating feeling that every artist has, you know? Like, oh I'm just God. a hack. What am I doing in there? I know. It's all a lie. It's all a <laughs> it's lie. All a you, lie. Know? <laughs> you know, that's, that's yeah, I think every artist has that. You know, they look at something. Because we, like I said, we we started this in 2011. And there was a there was a long period of time where, you know, I'm sitting on this book and I'm reading the art and this nothing, nothing to do with the story. But I'm looking at the art. I'm like, is this good? You know, I think every artist has, you know, deals with that when they especially if they've been looking at something for a really, really long time. But, you know, it's it's you know, it was a natural thing. Everybody goes through it. So I I couldn't be more pleased with book one and book two is going to be fantastic. The relation if everybody liked the relationship between um, Ben and Jake in Dream Jumper One, they're just gonna flip over Dream Jumper Two. Cause that's yeah. it that's I mean, it has that and then some, you know, so Well, I wanted to ask about that. What at what point did you guys know that you were gonna be doing more books? Or was it a series from the very beginning? From the very beginning. It was we knew that yeah, we knew we wanted to do this thing uh, at least at the very beginning, at least six books. But now we wanna do because we have it, we have it in arcs. Like we, we know when the Nightmare Lord story is going to come to an end. We know how it's going to come to an end, and then we have another story that picks up, and we know we we know about where that starts. So we have this idea about how we want to do it. So we're looking at maybe like around ten or eleven books now. Wow. So Yeah, it's and it's you a know, big story. It is. It is epic. And and when I tell people that, they're just like, oh, pfft, yeah, right. You're just going <laughs> to string this thing along, right? I'm like, no, seriously, this is this is how it has to happen yeah. in order to get a, a conclusion that everybody's going to really, really love. So I'm like, it's got to be 11 books. So hmm. that's the attitude now. Well, let's see if Scholastic goes. If, with they're, that. if they're on board with that, right? <laughs> well, you know, we'll see. We'll, we'll see how, uh, how the book sales do. I don't know. I mean, how, though, I guess if that's if, if you know, if you knew that from the beginning, that's how you would plan out the story. But, you know, when you look at if we're talking about the other books that are at, at graphics, you know, if you look at something like Bone, which he wrote serially as, you know, 22 page issues for years before they were ever collected. 
Um, or something like Amulet, which he never knew that there was going to be... When he started book one, he didn't know that there were going to be nine books. So, mm. you know, th- those sort of developed as interest in them grew, whereas you're coming at it already knowing, okay, this is going to be a multi-book story. So how does that, do you think, change the approach to how you're writing it and how you're planning out the arcs? Um, you know, I... I I have a comic strip called Imagine This, mm-hmm. and uh, for those of you who don't know, you can find it on GoComics.com. It's been on hiatus for a few weeks, but it, it should return uh, by the end of the year. Um, I I have all it's it's basically just a three panel gagaday strip, but one of the things that I've always explored with with the medium because it's because it's on the line, you basically you're supposed to do three panels, but you can do whatever the hell you want. Mm-hmm. So I always explored these just these long stories that would go on and on and on, kind of like uh you know like the old Judge Parker yeah. <laughs> uh, comic strips uh, back in the you know 40s and 50s. But that's just how I write. I, I I write these long epic things, whether people love them or not. And I think that that's just that's just how that's just how I I. I I don't know if it was smart of me to look at the dream jumper that way or if it was just, uh, you know, <laughs> so, yeah. you know, like like a dream to, to, to dream of, you know, seven or eight books. But that's, that's just how I write, you know, and then, you know, Greg coming from TV and I don't I don't want to speak for him. I, I know that he looks at storytelling in the same way that it's got to stretch out over time. You don't want to just kind of put everything together at, in, you know, into one little package. You know, right. I, I and I think one um one of the things I had a really hard time with um, in the very beginning when we were editing Dream Jumper was I felt that they were cutting out a lot of stuff and they kept saying, no, stretch it out. And mm-hmm. I'm like, well, of course, that just seems like the obvious thing. So there was a lot of stuff uh, about um, uh, Ben's relationships with his family, his father, the history of their family that goes way, way, way back. We just got rid of it all. And we're like, no, 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 we can we can put that later on. So. It just, I, I just, um, and it didn't seem obvious to me right away, but it's like, yeah, you know what? That's how I tell stories. I, I stretch it out. So that, that's just how I operate, you know? But it's curious then. I mean, if you're, you, you, you come from this place of you wanting to tell epic stories and in these long stories, how did you end up doing these three or four panel strips? <laughs> uh, that, yeah, wow. I don't know. You know, I, <laughs> I, well, to be honest, I wanted to be, uh, a newspaper cartoonist for a long time since I can remember. Um, and you know, Calvin and Hobbes, Garfield, peanuts, those were really big influences on me as a kid. And, and I just wanted to do the Gagaday stuff, but I think it just, it just naturally evolved. When I, when I got syndicated with go comics, uh, in 2007, I think mm-hmm. 2007, 2008, um, I, I was, I, I had been doing web comics for maybe about four or five years at that point, and I was I felt I was pretty good at the at the gagaday the you know the the three panel thing, but it just it there was this weird evolution of of my storytelling where I was like, well, find out what happens tomorrow and find out what happens two days mm-hmm. from now, and it it didn't really dawn on me at the time, but once I discovered, you know, the medium of well, I shouldn't say discover, but once I started writing you know, dream jumper with Greg, mm-hmm. it felt like a much more natural way of telling mm-hmm. stories mm-hmm. than the three panel thing. So a lot of times now, like if, if I go back to, to imagine this and I'm going to do a, you know, like a, like a 30 day story arc, um, a lot of it will be kind of, uh, it won't be three panels. It'll be maybe three panels and then two more underneath. And then a, a weird kind of Calvin and Hobbes type circle panel. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it's it, there's just that's just how I tell stories now. I can't. It's very hard to limit myself down to three panels yeah. in a strip. Yeah. So uh, I find I'm very I'm much more comfortable with the graphic novel uh, format. It sounds like you know moving from the strip to the longer form graphic novel was not so much of a an adjustment. Like it wasn't difficult for you. It, just, it sounds like it was a lot just it's liberating like it was like oh finally i have the freedom to you know explore characters and plot development yeah exactly except for i didn't really look at it as liberating i was like oh i like this a lot better i, uh, I have a lot more room to work with yeah. but now that you're mentioning it you know hindsight yeah it was very liberating <laughs> <laughs> so i mean you you say you're going back to the uh to the strip in a few weeks or before the end of the year um i like i like strips that uh play with the format you know calvin and hobbes is obviously one of the most famous examples that did that in a big way um yeah but so i mean even so you're still limited in a way that you may not be with like you know an eight book series of you know over 100 pages each do you think it's going to be hard to go back and, and condense the stories into these um tinier segments even though you're telling an overall story you still have to put them into little discrete segments I think if I were going back and I was creating a brand new comic, then it would be it would be difficult because mm-hmm. I have this idea that I want to do. Uh, um, I, I would like to go back and create a new web comic sometime in the near future, in the next couple of years. That's more of a um, kind of a Dungeons and Dragons type story. Nice. Um, but I, imagine this: I've been doing that comic for so long, I can I can write it in my sleep. Yeah. So I I don't think that. For that particular comic, it'll be difficult at all yeah. uh, because I, I tend to find myself, even though it's it's been on hiatus for a while, I tend to write jokes for it still without even really thinking about it. Like, oh, that would make a good joke for for you know this character to say or mm-hmm. this character to this character to do, you know. So I I, I don't think for that strip it'll be difficult, but but I, it's going to be interesting to see if and when I ever get this other web comic thing going. Uh, how that'll work out because by then there'll probably be maybe three or four Dream Jumper books. And, uh, <laughs> I may, I may not, I may not be able to go back. You, you know? don't have the time. <laughs> right. <laughs> Do you think that there is a future for daily strips, whether it's in a newspaper or online? I do think that there are lots of people making money, good money online, especially now with with Patreon mm-hmm. and, uh, with Kickstarter helping people, you know, fund their books and stuff. I, I, I tend to think that it's there, there, you know, you don't have to get through that gatekeeper of a syndicate, but you still have to produce good work. And I'm convinced that, you know, there aren't that many people who are really, really great at, 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 you know, doing uh, three panel strips. I think that that was true back then. And I think that it's true now. And that's why a lot of people say, well, you know, there's no money in this. I'm like, I'm like no, there is money in this. And it's only in a rare, you know, few people but they're very good at what they do. Mm-hmm. So there's a reason that they're making money at this. And there's a reason that that guy over there is not making any money. Yeah, he may do a strip every single day and he may have d- been doing it for six or seven years, but he's not very good. So I think I think that I think that there the, that the three panel strip will survive online. But I think in terms of like, uh, you know, the old syndicated model there'll be maybe three or four people a year that'll do really well just mm-hmm. in terms of their own skills. You know what I mean? Like, uh, um, gosh, there was a new web comic that I just started reading. That's doing incredible. What was it? Oh, crud. I'm drawn. <laughs> I think it's called poorly drawn lines. Okay. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's amazing. And then Sarah scribbles, um, 
she's incredible. And, and her, when I, I do another podcast called tall tale radio and we talk to a lot of cartoonists and we talked to her when she first got on to go comics. Mm -hmm. And I think she had maybe, she was doing fairly well at the time, but I think she had like maybe, you know, uh, 10,000 followers on Twitter. We checked it back in with her, you know, six months later and she's got like 200,000 followers on Twitter now. (laughs) And, you know, she's got a book deal with Andrews McMeal and she's going on this book tour and, you know, it's it's incredible. So I think if you've got the talent mm-hmm. that the Internet, you know, it, it can provide enormous opportunities uh, for, for strip cartoonists yeah. and for cartoonists in general. Yeah, absolutely. In a way that it's just people, you know, 10, not even 10 years ago, they just couldn't even imagine the the opportunities and the outlet that it would give you. Oh, totally. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So uh, Dream Jumper has been out for a few weeks now. Um, what's the reaction that you've been hearing? Oh my God, everybody, I, teachers, librarians, uh, kids, they just, they just adore this thing. I, that to me, that was the biggest surprise is yeah. having teachers reach out and say, look, look, we got several copies for the class. We got several copies for the library. And it's, it's, you know, just hearing that kids are, you know, passing the book around mm-hmm. or we had, a, I had a kid, um, I, I did a signing in Burbank uh, about a month ago, and I had a kid walk right up to the table, and he wasn't sure if he wanted to buy it or not. So he he read the whole book in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> it took him forty minutes, but instant he did. reactions. <laughs> it was he he closed the book after he was he didn't talk to me while he was reading it. He read it and he closed the book. He looked at me and he's like, "I absolutely love this." Oh. And then he he put the book down on the table and walked away. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but. But he did come back about 15 minutes later. He bought a hardback copy of the book and he said, would you please sign this? I absolutely love this. I want to share it with my friends. I'm like, that's, that's, that's amazing. amazing. It really is. Yeah. It's I, you know, that's what you're afraid of. You don't want to hear people. I mean, cause it, I'm going to tell everybody out there right now, stay off Goodreads. You know, it's yeah, oh, poison yeah. for the soul. It's poison yeah. for the soul. So when I, when I first started going on Goodreads for dream jumper, I read some guy's review where it was just vile. It's like, oh no, is it really that bad? Uh, and then, of course, you know, when that happens, you tend to ignore everybody who really loves it, exactly. which far outweighs those who don't. And that's at least so far, that's been my experience with Dream Jumper. That that it's just everybody seems to find something interesting in it. And one of the things we really wanted to do with the next few books is is, is to introduce a strong, strong female character, so that we have a strong male lead and a strong female character working together. So that so it's because we didn't want it to be just for boys. We want everybody to love this book. And so far with book one, believe it or not, even though we have you know Ben, the main character, Jake, his best friend, a lot of a lot of little girls love this book too. Which thank God because you know yeah. when. When we were done with it, we're like, oh, did we just shoot ourselves in the foot by excluding girls? Yeah. Because yeah, we didn't we didn't think about it at the time because we're like, okay, well, we'll introduce her later. Yeah. So, um, but it seems everybody seems to love it. So I'm I couldn't be more happy. Have you? Is there a difference in the, uh, I guess, the type of feedback or the way that you get feedback from Dream Jumper versus Imagine This? Yeah, most of the feedback I get from Imagine This is in the comments section. Yeah. You misspelled. You misspelled this word. It's like, oh, God. never, never read the comments. No, 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 no. I, I, I wish that they would turn them off. Yeah. Because <laughs> I had one guy call me out. I have this character in the strip. It's a, it's all it is is a plant. It's uh-huh. just, it's just a house plant, and he does the most. He, he doesn't do anything in the strip. He just offers, you know, 
satire or just these just horrible, horrible comments or puns or whatever. Uh-huh. But I had one strip where all he did was just he just sat in the middle of the panel and his shadow moved in each panel. And he said, and at the end, he's like, I had an amazing day. <laughs> he didn't do anything. It was just yeah. he just sat there, you know, and somebody called me out and said, you know what? That shadow wouldn't move that way unless they lived in the Southern hemisphere. Oh, and I'm like, God. I'm like, damn it. You know, I give up, you know, <laughs> you <start laughs> flip, flipping tables, you know, punching walls. Uh, and, but you know, I mean, honest to God though, the, the comments on imagine this have been mostly positive, but it's just the, the, the little negative ones that stick with you. So yeah, never read Goodreads, never read the comments, you know, sound advice. From, yeah. Stay away from Amazon reviews, all that stuff, you know, sound just, advice. Yeah, right from your heart and do what you know and hope for the best, you know. <laughs> do you look to other comics and graphic novels for inspiration or do you get that inspiration from something else like movies or music or something? I get it from all over. Yeah. I, I love I, – everybody knows I'm a Star Wars junkie. When Greg told me he got the role in Star Wars, I was like – I was like a little school kid. I was, you know, constantly texting him like, what are you doing today? What are you doing today? He's like, I can't talk <laughs> can't about tell it. I can't you. talk about it. But he did call me from Pinewood once, right after he and JJ got off of the Millennium Falcon. Oh. He left Pinewood because they weren't allowed to have phones. And he's like, hey, guess where I was? He's like, uh, you know, I was on the Falcon. I was with JJ. But I'm like, oh, man, I'm sitting here doing edits on Dream Jumper. And you're <laughs> over there running around the Millennium Falcon. But uh, so, no, I'm a huge Star Wars fan. Star Wars is just you know, my, my whole life, which is, you know, sad, but also awesome. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, there's a lot of great graphic novels. Bone was a huge inspiration for me early on. Um, I, I want to say in the early two thousands when I think I, th- I want to say I discovered some of them at comic-con. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, wow, this is fantastic. And then of course, later on, um, you know, I discovered, you know, what Kazu was doing. I discovered Raina's stuff. I think I discovered her stuff online. I think I, I think I found Smile online. But um, uh, those they were huge on me. But I, in terms of now, um, one of one of the biggest inspirations for me is uh, Scotty Young and his Wizard oh, yeah. of Oz books. Yeah. Those things are gorgeous, just gorgeous. Yeah, I just really love are. his style. I love. I, I'm I'm drawing a blank on his colorist, but those two work so well together. When I saw that. Uh, I found it was, a, I think, a used copy. It was a little tiny, uh, cheap paperback of the first collection of the first Oz book. And it was a really cruddy paper stock. It wasn't glossy. And I just, I, I have that book with me now in my, in my uh, uh, portfolio bag. I take it everywhere because every time I'm like, I'm like, how would, how would he approach this, you know, this scene or something like that? So, I, you know, he's a huge influence on me. And, uh, you know, David Peterson and Mouse Guard, mm-hmm. my God, that guy is incredible. And, and his Wind in the Willows book is just going to be amazing when that thing comes out. Um, so, no, I still read comics all the time. I, uh, my, my local comic shop's got a – every time I walk in the store, they're like, hey, check this out, check this out, <laughs> check this out. And I'm like, all right, guys, you know, I'll, I'll buy anything. Yeah. So, um, yeah, no, and, and, you know, I listen to any – kind of music i've got you know i've got one of those old school ipods it's completely full i think it's 64 gigs and i'll just <laughs> put random and just let it play and it'll play like it'll go from like metallica to mozart to you know to geez i don't know like stone double pilots something you know it just yeah. it goes to everything you know so uh i draw inspiration from wherever i can and my kids you know the way that they talk to each other I try to incorporate that into the book as well. And then Greg's got kids, mm-hmm. you know, he's got, uh, at the time when we first started this, his kids were younger. So he incorporated a lot of their dialogue into the book as well. So, so, uh, 
have kids if you if you're looking <laughs> to write a <laughs> graphic novel for children. That helps. They're a constant source of inspiration. That's good, right. good and bad. <laughs> oh my God! Yes, both. <laughs> um, are there are there any books coming out that are on the horizon that haven't come out yet that you're really looking forward to, really excited about? Uh, well, definitely the Wind in the Willows. Yeah. Uh, that's uh, that's incredible. Um, it's going to be incredible from what I've seen. Um, Raina's book Ghosts, Ghosts is I did I did read that. Yeah, it's that's, incredible. It's really good. It's a really good book, and um, she's just going to make it very very hard at the Eisners <laughs> next year. <laughs> So, but deservedly so. She does some quality work, and she deserves every bit of success she gets. Yep. She does just amazing stuff. Um, gosh, oh, there's a bunch of books that are coming out that I'm I'm looking over at my bookshelf and I'm trying to think what, <laughs> what is it? Oh, and I just discovered uh, I'm not really big into manga, but I really really like the Tokyo Ghoul series. Okay, uh, yeah. Yeah, I, ju- I just I just found that, and I I just started reading. It. So I have no idea what it's about, but I'm like, wow, this is just this is really interesting. That's a rabbit and, hole. That's easy to manga is easy to sort of get lost in because there's so much. That's what I'm afraid of. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, because uh, oh, and then um, I just re- started rereading uh, The Walking Dead. I, I read uh, several of those books. I've never seen the show. Okay. Um, I, I read some of the books a while back and I really liked them. And then I just kind of fell away from the series. And I met Robert Kirkman the other day mm-hmm. and, um, and he was, couldn't have been nicer. He, he, he told me how much he liked dream jumper. He even recorded a promo video for us, which oh, we're going nice. to sometime soon. And he was just incredible, just awesome guy. And so I'm like, you know what? I got to start rereading, you know, his books. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I mean, he, he likes mine. I got to go back and start reading some of his. <laughs> so, uh, so I'm going to, I'm, uh, gonna start doing that soon. Um, gosh, there's a ton of stuff coming out. Oh, oh, um, I gotta put a plug in for my buddy, uh, uh, Norm Fiotti. He did, uh, the all ages book, the King of Kazu. And it's fantastic. It's just so silly and ridiculous and kids will, are going to love this thing. So definitely get that one. Okay. But yeah, there's a ton there's, of stuff. There is. It's, it's too much. It's like, an, it's, you can't keep up with everything that's coming out. No, and and so I, much I, of it is amazing too. I know, I, and I'm fortunate that I get all the graphics stuff for free, so yeah. I don't have to. I don't have to buy that. There you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was one of the perks when we uh, when we signed. We got this big box that showed up on the porch. I'm like, what is this? And I'm like, oh my god, it's it's the entire Bone series. It's all. Oh, I need a whole god. new bookshelf. <laughs> right, right. No, you're absolutely right. <laughs> Most, yeah. A lot of these books are on the floor right now. Yeah, exactly. Um, you you've teased a few things about what we can look forward to in future books. What else can you can you give any more hints about what's coming up in books two or three? Ah, uh, well, book two, um, I can tell you this: it picks up pretty much where book one left off. There's there's two stories that are going on in book two. Um, I don't want to give too much away, but but there's a very important moment towards the end of book one where we pick right up from there. And if you follow me on Instagram, I actually already put it. Uh, put a picture out of what I was sketching about two weeks ago. So that should help people kind of figure out where we're going. And um, there's a lot of lot of playful relationship stuff between uh, Ben and Jake in this one because that was one of the biggest um, positive pieces of feedback we received from Dream Jumper was they liked the relationship between the two. And they wanted to see more of it. And we're like, guess what, guys? That's happening. So look forward to book two. Book two is going to be great. So Excellent. that's that's where book two is going. Um, 
No, I don't know if there's any. There's much more I can share there uh, that, that my editor Gre- would let me. Share. No, Greg. All Greg said was that uh, there is a a major plot twist in book three that we're not going to see coming. Yeah, it's it's we're we're trying to place. Um, we're trying to carefully place this this plot twist to where it doesn't seem like it goes with the story, but we don't want it to be too soon or too late. We're trying to figure out where would be the best place to put this book three, book four. So it's definitely coming and it's going to be, it's going to be amazing okay. when we do it. Cause kids are going to be like, what? Mind blown. <laughs> yeah. And, and then, and then the next book comes after and they're going to be like, Oh my God, that is fantastic. Uh. Oh, wow. So, I mean, this was, I mean, we were talking about this a couple of weeks ago and we're like, God, if we do this right, this could be this could be cool. So all right, so. You, you've piqued my interest. All right, <laughs> <laughs> my job is done. You're you're done, right? Go back to drawing yeah. somewhere, I guess. Though. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, I got a lot of drawing to do tonight. <laughs> Lucas, thank you so much for your time. This has been great. And you know, Dream Jumper Book One out now. Book Two coming soon. Do you, when do we know when it's releasing? Book Two is at the end of next summer, uh, early fall. They end want of to next uh, summer. Yeah, they want to make it a. Uh, they, I think that they want to push uh, our series into the fall releases with the book fairs. Okay. So um, they wanted to. Get, they wanted to see how it did in the summer, and as far as I know, it did really, really well. And the book fairs have already committed to. I, I, I couldn't tell you the number, but um, so I know that it's really big in the book fairs. So they want to get it closer to the book fairs. So that's what they're doing with book two, and then after that, book three, book four, book five, book six, they'll all be fall releases, unless of course you know my arm falls off. <laughs> <laughs> we got to push it back some. So, all right. Well, I guess we've got a year to wait. Uh, yeah. I'll make do well, with some of these other thousands of books that are coming out. I will say though that, that, and I don't know that I'm allowed to talk about this, but this will be a scoop. Yes. Uh, Scholastic is putting out at the end of the year. I'm not going to tell you what it's called, but it's a collection of graphic novelists' characters. No, I can't. That, that's 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 not accurate. A bunch of st- – <laughs> okay, I'm just going to say it. Me, Reina, Norm Feudy, Kazu, uh, Mike Mayhack, we're all putting together stories, um, short stories in this book. So they're collecting all of like – they're going to collect Dream Jumper. They're going to collect uh, um, you know, uh, Cleopatra in Space. They're going to collect Amulet, and they're going to take these short stories and put them into one book. So everybody's going to have – so there will be a Dream Jumper short story out at the end of the year, and it's funny are as these, hell. Are these original <laughs> short stories or are they like synopses of the other books? No, no, no. They're original <sighs> short stories. They're all oh. brand new material. So, I mean, there's going to be – I mean, it's it's cool. I mean, they talked to us about it uh, earlier this year, and we're like, oh, my God, that is going to be fantastic. So they are putting something out. Uh, gosh, very soon here. I'm, I'm surprised that nobody said anything, so I, I might get in trouble for things. <laughs> you <laughs> heard it enough. here first, and if Lucas, you know, suddenly loses his contract tomorrow, we know why. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it'll all end at book two, right? <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that does sound amazing. That, yeah. It's going to be really, really cool. So, and, and it's to, to, you know, to hold people over until book two comes out, it's, it's a really cool short story, Dream Jumper. It totally fits into the canon of Dream Jumper. Um, so it's just, it's going to be fun. It's a, it's a gross story. It's a funny story. People are going to love it. Awesome. Thank you so much. That's, it's, that's exciting. But thank you so much for being on the show. This has been absolutely great. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you. 
That's it for this week on the Great Big Beautiful Podcast. That was fun. It was fun. They're and always fun, though. I love the inspiration for the book. I wish I wish someday Hannah or Isaac would wake up and be like, Hey, Dad, I, I, had, this, I had this crazy dream. Can you turn it into a franchise? <laughs> <laughs> you might have a tougher road of it than Greg did, though. It, it's true. It's true. <laughs> but it's I loved I loved that that's how it became. And, and I know he said his son will argue that he didn't say it, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. But, but you know how kids are. And... It just, it's amazing where ideas can come from. You know what I mean? Just from your kids having a nightmare, and that's an idea for something. It is. You, sh- you should get in the habit of writing that stuff down. You know, you never know. Your kids say something funny, and you're like, "Oh, that's funny. I'm gonna, I'm gonna put that on Facebook for my friends to to to, to read that funny story." Right. And you know, sometimes people will be like, "Oh my God, stop sharing stupid stories about your right. kids." Yeah. You know, but oftentimes, like, it's just a good way to remember some of those things that they said because you, like you said, you never know where inspiration can come from and you never know where good ideas can be born. Except one day, one time Harry Potter was a dream in JK Rowling's mind. That's right. <laughs> there you go. And now look at how far it's come. You too could be a billionaire if you write your thoughts down. <laughs> it's true. Don't laugh. It's true. No, it's true. I'm, it's, I'm working on it. No, you're right. It's true. No, you never know. Like ideas come from everywhere. Like it's just, I know with I know this is off topic, but I know with me if I'm walking, I could be anywhere, you know, walking or driving, and all of a sudden it hits you, and you yeah. you have to write it down. <laughs> I'm usually in the shower. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't know why. Like if I if I if I'm like on a deadline or if I have to write a post about something and the mm-hmm. topic is completely up to me, I'm I could just sit around. Right. And if I'm in the shower or if I'm driving, mm-hmm. that's when the idea. Driving is for me too, because yeah. I I numb my mind and try not to get mad about. My yeah. my measly traffic, nothing compared to yours, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, drive driving is when I get a lot of ideas. I I got into the habit of using my phone, like the voice recorder, to like okay, to, so I don't forget them because yep. once I park, I forget everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I feel like an idiot talking to myself into the phone. <laughs> you know, what I mean, like it's really no different than talking into the microphone here, but right. at least you're on the other end. Like, exactly, so if I'm yeah. in the car and I'm just like, oh. Write an idea about X, Y, Z, and you could combine blah blah blah. I feel like a total tool doing that. Have you ever seen the show Suits? I haven't. No. Okay, there's a there's a people that are listening might know there's a character on there named Lewis Lit, and that it's like he a funny thing he talks into his recorder, he does everything like remind yeah. myself, blah, blah blah. But it's really funny. You just I know it's no relevance to you because you don't know it, but it's funny. <laughs> oh yeah, it's like I. I t- feel like an idiot doing it but i do it <laughs> i have a really like flash of brilliance i'll do it because i know as soon as i stop and decide to write it down i'll have forgotten whatever it is that i was thought about <laughs> well that's like yeah we that's our life right when we talk about our interviews what do we what did he say during that interview i don't yeah i know I was like, what? we gotta go back and listen to that again i don't remember he said something important but i don't remember what it was exactly <laughs> all right guys thank you so much for coming back week after week thank you for hitting subscribe if you're not subscribed i say this every time but why not hit that subscribe button get the podcast delivered to you we can do that through itunes google play different places like that downcast whoever yeah. Wherever you get your podcast (laughs) delivered, we're good with that. We are okay with that. And we've been doing two a week, and I think we're going to be continuing that for a little bit longer as well. I apologize. If if it's too much to listen to, you know, we don't mind sitting in a little queue in your your podcast listener for a while until you get catched up. (laughs) Caught up. Did you hear what I just said? Yes. Until you get catched up. Yeah. I need more coffee. Until you get (laughs) caught up. It's uh, we're doing two a week because we got 
we got caught up in the backlog. Mm-hmm. And um, I said this before when we said that we were going to be doing two a week. I don't like to make our guests wait more than a month to, to you know, <laughs> sort of hear the the chat. And sometimes they don't care. Sometimes they're not really pushing anything specifically. Right. Um, but other times they have, you know, shows coming out or books coming out or it's time to something. And I don't like to, you know, if, we, if somebody's going to take their time to talk to us on, you know, the first of the month, you know, I feel like we should get it up by at least the 15th or the 16th, right. you know, don't wait like, oh, we'll get it up two months from now. That's, that's no, nobody any good. So that's okay. People, I don't think people are going to complain about having too much content. <laughs> maybe. Too much Justin and Jamie. That, <laughs> that, they might complain about that though. Yeah, maybe, maybe <laughs> we'll see. Well, we'll have to get them some good guests to keep them interested. Not let yeah. that feed expire because it hasn't downloaded too long <laughs> working on it i'm working on getting those good guests perfect all right guys you can find us on twitter at the gbb podcast or facebook.com slash the gbb podcast and i'm justin at 140 justin c and i am jamie at the Roarbots. Roarbots. and we're the great big beautiful podcast we will see you in a few days take care <laughs> this podcast has been a production of the geek dad podcast network If you've enjoyed this content, please consider supporting us at patreon.com slash geekdad.